Welcome to the Capital Edge Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that this inspires, challenges, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into the message. And so this morning, I want to continue on with our theme, Wisdom Really Matters. I spoke a couple of weeks ago on the building blocks of wisdom. We're going to continue with that today. In Jesus' first public message, and we had a look at that, you can read that message in Matthew 5 through to Matthew chapter 7. In his first public message called the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus shared a number of different things. But his conclusion was this. He said this. He said that if you want to be wise, if you want to be wise, then listen and follow the teachings that I've just shared with you. He said, if you want to be wise and follow these teachings, you will be like the man that built his house upon a solid foundation, upon the rock, upon a firm foundation. And we want to be wise in life. We want to build what we're building in our lives upon a firm foundation. Amen. And so Jesus was saying that listen to these teachings that I'm sharing with you. Listen to these blocks of wisdom, because if you incorporate these things into your life, then you will build on wisdom. And so we looked at the first four building blocks of wisdom in that message. The first one was this. Jesus spoke what's commonly known, the Beatitudes. Okay, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. And that was all about living the blessed life. And we had a look at the fact that all of the situations that Jesus pointed out there that that had blessing, they're all ordinary things. They're all the things of everyday life. And we looked at the fact that if you want to live a life of blessing and you want to live a life of wisdom, you need to discover God's blessing in our everyday experience. That every day, in the mundane, in the ordinary things of life, there are the blessings of God to look forward to. And I think that's an important message in this day of COVID to remember that no matter what's going on in this world, there is still blessing. We can still see the blessing of God. We can still be full of thankfulness for all that he has done and all that he will continue to do. And then Jesus started talking about salt and light. You've got to be the salt of the world. You've got to be the light of the world. And this was all about living an effective life. And we talked about the fact that if we want to live a life of wisdom, we need to be effective by being the salt and the light in our world. We're required to be out there being the salt and being the the light, sharing our faith in Jesus Christ to a world that is lost and in darkness. And then Jesus uh, started sharing a whole uh, lot of things in this passage in in Matthew chapter 5. He started sharing about the law and he said it this way, he said, The law of Moses says this, but I say that. And the point he was making there was that the the law said one thing, but the commands under grace are even higher. And we talked about the fact that how on earth can we possibly achieve those commands and follow those commands under grace when we couldn't even do it under law? And then we talked about the fact that this discipline in our life wasn't just about our own personal discipline, but that when Jesus came and he gave us his grace, he didn't just give us grace for forgiveness of sin, but he gave us grace as an enablement 
to be able to go above and beyond, to be able to live this life. And so we talked about the fact that if we want to live a life of wisdom, we need to be enabled by His grace and empowered by His Holy Spirit. And then we talked about the next section there that Jesus, uh, Jesus referred to. And it was about giving in secret. About giving in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing is one of the things. He said, give in secret. It was all about humility. And so it was all about living the humble life. If we want to live a life of wisdom, don't look for the accolades of men. Don't look for all those earthly things, those material gain, but rather live in humility, in humility. So let's continue today on with this great, profound message of Jesus, the building blocks of wisdom. Building block number five is this. Jesus goes on after all that he said, and he then starts talking to the disciples and the people that have gathered around about living the prayerful life. Living the prayerful life. He, it's that passage that refers to uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 18. We read it, Jesus teaches the crowd to pray, which I find incredibly interesting because the crowd that he was talking to, prayer was a part of their everyday life. It was part of the Jewish life was to pray. And so why did Jesus feel to uh, talk about prayer to them? I, I, I think it's because of this, that, that the routine and the ritual of prayer had replaced sincerity in relationship that comes through prayer. And we're going to be careful of that, don't we? We're going to be so careful that our prayer doesn't just become ritualistic, doesn't just become religion, doesn't just become going through the motions, but it is a relationship. It is a communication between us and God. You see, one of the greatest building blocks of wisdom in your life and my life is prayer, is prayer. And that's why it's also one of the hardest forward battles for the Christian life. I don't know about you, I've come across so many people say, I can read my Bible every day, I can journal, I can do the devotion, I can do all those things, but man, when it comes to my prayer life, it gets hit time and time and time again. There's some seasons where it's great, there's some seasons where I'm communicating with God and it's as fresh as fresh, but then there's other seasons when it just drops off and the world gets in the way and things get in the way and it just becomes so difficult. So what does Jesus tell us about prayer in this particular passage? Well, the first thing he says is this. He says, prayer is not about a public performance. It's not about a public performance. It's not about clever words or acts of piety or being noticed and being dis, uh, esteemed for, for your spirituality. It's not about any of those things. Rather, he says, go into your closet to pray, he says. Go to that place of intimate relationship between you and God. You know, I've met Christians over the years who have struggled with their prayer because they've just felt that it had to be done a certain way, had to be spoken a certain way. There were certain things that were acceptable and certain things that weren't acceptable. I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I can remember listening to people get up and stand up in public and, and start praying and they would pray in King James. You know, thus, uh, Seth, and they carry on like this. And I thought, man, I can't relate to that at all. But you know what it did? In the early days, what it did was it made me think that I wasn't good enough to pray. 
because I had to pray a certain way to be heard. And friends, I just want to tell you and reinforce today that prayer just requires your sincere heart and words communicating in a relational way with Jesus. Let's not complicate this. Let's not complicate it. Amen. <clears throat> in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable about two men that came to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. Now, a tax collector was considered the lowest of the low in the day. And so this Pharisee comes and he prays out in the open and he says to everybody and not just God, but everybody that was willing to listen, I thank God that I'm not like like others. I thank God that I'm not bogged down by those things that normal people get bogged down by and started praying this eloquent prayer. But then Jesus says this, he said, the tax collector was at the other end. And the tax collector just bowed his head in submission and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, you know the prayer that was heard? The prayer that was heard before God was the prayer that came about not through eloquence, but through sincerity, through sincerity. The next thing Jesus says about prayer in this passage is that prayer is not a thoughtless repetition or a vain mantra that we just repeat over and over and over again, which I find incredibly interesting because religion has taken this prayer and turned it into a ritualistic routine, something that in lots of churches just repeated over and over and over again, like a ritualistic mantra. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to say the Lord's Prayer. I believe people do say the Lord's Prayer as it is, and and they pray that with sincerity of heart. So I'm not saying it's wrong, but what I am saying is that's not what Jesus was pointing out here. Let's read the next section because then Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. He gives us his pattern to follow. We read it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Listen to what what Jesus says first. He says, in this manner, therefore pray. Other translations of the Bible say this, pray like this, Jesus said. Notice Jesus didn't say pray this. He said pray like this, in this manner. So what Jesus is saying here is, I'm giving you a template. I'm giving you a pattern that you can follow to enhance your prayer life. This is a great prayer. And if you follow this pattern, if you follow this template, then you'll be able to pray solidly and fervently before God. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So Jesus gives us a pattern of prayer to follow our Father who art in heaven. And so we start by focusing on the Father. Rodney actually did it this morning. He started talking about some of those names of God, the Father, Almighty One. So we focus on the Father, thanking Him for sending to us Jesus, that we are His children. We can call Him Abba Father. We are His children, called by His name. It says, hallowed be your name. In other words, holy 
is the name of the Lord. Holy is the name of the Lord. The Bible uses so many different names to describe facets of the nature of who God is. And we should focus on on some of those things so we can pray to Almighty God. Thank you that you are almighty. There is nothing impossible for you, that you are Jehovah Jireh, which means God who will supply and provide for my need. Uh, We pray to El Shaddai, the God who nourishes, the God of plenty, El Shaddai. And we can pray to our wonderful God. God, hallowed be your name. Then it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so we pray that God's kingdom is established here on earth, in this world, in our nation, in our city, in our churches, in our community, that God's kingdom will come. That those principles and those things that rule the kingdom of God will rule us here on earth. That's a great prayer to pray. It's a prayer that we should regularly be praying for our nation. And it's a time where we intercede for others. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And that's, that's when we start praying and believing for the needs of our own family and our own personal needs, our, our daily bread. It's a time of seeking God's will for our life. And then Jesus says this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So this is a time of intimate sharing. It's a a time of asking God first to forgive us and then to forgive and release others and to forgive those who have sinned against us. And this is so important that later on, Jesus goes on further and talks about forgiveness. And then Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, this is a time when we come before God and we put on the armour of God that it talks about in Ephesians 6. This is where we come and we put on our armour and we pray for God's protection in our life. And then finally, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. So, so Jesus is saying, complete your prayer with a, a time of positive declarations of, of faith and praise to our God for all that he is and all that he's done. And so he gives us this pattern, this wonderful pattern of prayer. But then Jesus goes on and says this in this passage. He says, if you want your prayers heard, make sure you practice forgiveness. That's a challenge. Make sure you practice forgiveness. And I sometimes wonder when people come to me and they say, Prayer is just so difficult. Every time I pray, it's, it's like the heavens are brass. It's like no, no one's hearing. I sometimes wonder whether the issue is perhaps looking back at our heart and asking, am I harboring unforgiveness towards someone? And if you are harboring unforgiveness, well, then dealing with that, dealing with that unforgiveness, talking it through, going through that process so then you can come back to the Lord because Jesus clearly said here, if you want your prayers heard, make sure you practice forgiveness. And the final thing that Jesus says about prayer in this passage is this. He says that fasting is actually a partner that goes along with prayer. We don't talk a lot about fasting these days, but fasting is expected as a partner of prayer. Fasting is denying earthly nourishment to enhance the craving for spiritual nourishment. 
It's saying, I'm willing to go without this as a sign that I can't go without you, Lord Jesus. And so if you want wisdom in your life, can I encourage you, pray, pray. Get into the habit of seeking God in a very real and down-to-earth way. In the words of that famous philosopher, MC Hammer, he says, you've got to pray, pray. Pray, pray, you've got to pray so that you make it today. Oh yeah, we're moving right along. (laughs) The next thing Jesus talks about is about living the kingdom life. Living the kingdom life. He starts talking and we can read that in Matthew 6 about not being concerned with what we have and what we don't have. Not being concerned with money and possessions and food and clothing. There's an interesting sideline here, an interesting underlying message here is that the things that we tend to worry about are the things that we tend to put on a pedestal in our lives, which are the things that dethrone God from his rightful place in our life. And so we must be careful not to worry. Wisdom gives little room for worry. Wisdom says, don't worry about earthly things, but live with a kingdom of God focus. That's why later on in that passage in verse 33, Jesus says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things that you're worrying about. All of these things that are plaguing your mind, all of these things that you have put on a pedestal and are taking your your perspective away from me, all of those things will be sorted if you seek the kingdom first. So what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? It's allowing his eternal perspective to determine your earthly perspective. We get so bogged down in the earthly, the material, and sometimes we lose the fact that, hang on, there's something bigger going on in this than just me and what I'm seeing. There is an eternal perspective, and it's allowing his eternal perspective to determine our earthly perspective. It's allowing his glorious presence to invade our ordinary circumstance. You know, you might be going through some pretty ordinary things, some pretty harrowing things, but you can cry out to God in prayer and say, God, fill this ordinary with your presence. Fill this with your extraordinary answer, your extraordinary power. Fill this situation, God. It's allowing his unconditional love to still your overwhelming concerns. God, in spite of this, in spite of what I'm going through, I know that you love me, that you love me, that that love is unconditional, that you'll never give up on me, no matter what. It's, a, it's allowing his power and his authority to replace your fear with faith. Replace it with faith. It's recognising that he is almighty God. He is powerful. He is authority. He is omnipotent, all powerful, no matter what you're going through. 
And when we start to see God as all-powerful, not just gentle Jesus, meek and mild, but when we start seeing that he is powerful and mighty, how big is God in your situation? We start to see things through eyes of faith rather than allow fear to reign. Some people allow fear to reign in their circumstances because they have this bigger God. We've got to realise how big and mighty and wonderful He is. Nothing is impossible for Him. It's allowing His infinite resource to provide for your pressing need. I love in that passage where Jesus says, even the fields are clothed with flowers. I love where he says that there's not a sparrow that falls without me knowing about it. So he is infinitely powerful. He has infinite resource to provide for your needs. That's kingdom living. That's putting the kingdom first. If you want to live with wisdom, live a kingdom life. Learn to see through the the lens of eternity. Always keep Jesus as your due north on your compass. Paul said it like this, the Apostle Paul, he said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is kingdom living. That is kingdom living. You know, I know many people who who live the saved life but haven't ventured on to live the kingdom life. You see, they live knowing they're saved. They've made that decision to follow Jesus but they don't live in the joy and the freedom that exists beyond the cross. Living the kingdom life. And so when COVID or something like that comes along, fear reigns in their situation. You know, kingdom living, it doesn't hide in the shadows, but it recognises that he is the light that dispels the darkness. Kingdom living doesn't whinge about restrictions but it looks for new opportunities and possibilities and blessings in spite of what's going on. Kingdom living still rejoices in our faith and our freedom because we understand deep in our hearts that whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I think that's an important message for us to understand, particularly as this year closes and a new year starts. Because I know people are saying things like this, they're saying, man, I can't wait for this year to end. We've had bushfires, we've had COVID, we've had this, we've had that, we've gone through this. And I, I understand that point, but there is a kind of living, a kingdom living that takes us beyond that. Beyond that. Tell you the truth, I found myself the other week falling for what I call the COVID trap. Just getting a little bit depressed, getting a little bit disheartened. And I had to give myself a wake-up call. I had to give myself a a wake-up call. COVID-19 might have changed a few things, might have changed the way that we do some stuff, but it can't take my joy and it can't take my freedom because I'm living the kingdom life. You know, I really think some people have allowed this season to rob them of the blessing of God. But friends, let me just remind you that his treasure is all around you. His kingdom is all around you. Live with your eyes firmly on the kingdom of God. You know what's going to change 2021? 
because it looks like some of these restrictions will still be in place. Looks like you may not be able to go on that international holiday. Looks like there may still be things that, that, that go from 2020 to 2021. But what's going to change 2021 for you is a kingdom perspective with an outflow of a positive attitude and faith-filled words. I love the story. The disciples are on a lake. Lake Galilee. There's a storm. And you've got to remember that four of these disciples at least were fishermen. So they had seen storms. They'd been on the ocean. They'd been on the lake when there were storms. And so this must have been an incredibly scary storm for them to fear for their lives. This was an amazing storm. But you know what? In the midst of that storm, in the midst of their COVID, they overlooked one thing. They overlooked the fact that the saviour of the world was in their boat. Think about it. We look at COVID, we look at these things and we forget one thing. Hey, is the saviour of the world in your boat or not? Is he there with you or not? Because if he's there, it's all okay. It's all okay. Jesus is in the boat with you. Kingdom living knows that no matter the storm, he's with you. You see, building block number six is about living the kingdom life. If we want a life of wisdom, see with an eternal perspective and see with eyes of faith. The next building block is this. Jesus goes on, he continues on, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 6. Let's read it. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Oh, that's nasty. First get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They'll trample the pearls, then uh, turn and attack you. I often wonder what that, that thing about the pearls and the, and the pigs had anything to do with anything in the context of this passage. But you see, I think what Jesus is, is saying here is saying, live the gracious life. If you want wisdom in your life, be gracious. Don't be judgmental. And in this passage, Jesus shows that grace doesn't just mean us being a doormat. He says, if yes, we extend grace. Yes, we go the second mile. Yes, we turn the other cheek. But if the grace that we keep extending continues to be trampled, then we just turn aside. So how do we live a gracious life? It's a challenge to all of us today. Firstly, we stop being negative and critical and cynical about everything. My parents used to say this to me. I'm sure you've heard it before. If you don't have anything to say positive, well, then don't say anything at all. There's a lot of truth in that. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just shut up. It's just be quiet and not say anything if it's going to be negative and, and, and critical. Some of the Christians I've met are so negative, if you put them in a dark room, they develop. 
How do we live a gracious life? We remain teachable. We remain teachable, responding to correction and discipline with humility. When attacked, we don't just react, but instead we, we, we take a moment to pause and we say, is there something in this that I need to take on board? You know, as a staff of a church, sometimes we get attacked at certain levels. Sometimes people say things. And, you know, sometimes it's very easy to get defensive and try and react to that. Well, how don't you know how much we're doing and don't you know? But we've just got to pause and we've just got to say, wait a minute, is there anything in this that we need to take on board and we need to learn from? We need to learn from. How do we live a gracious life? We speak the truth in love. You see, quite often we like speaking the truth. But when we add in love, that means we actually think before we react and say, how do we live a gracious life? We place ourselves in another person's shoes, trying to read and understand their hurt rather than jumping to our rights. Where is this coming from? How do we live a gracious life? We recognise that we are most judgmental when we are mentally tired and we're most judgmental when we don't love ourselves you see it's often about us so when I'm starting to get critical and judgmental of other people the first thing I need to do is okay what's going on in me what's going on in my life and then how do we live a gracious life we remember that the grace that Jesus gave us cost us his life his life, a sacrifice. There's a singer called Ed Cash. He's a Christian songwriter, singer. He's in a band called We're the Kingdom. But many years ago, he was asked to co-write a song with another great singer called Chris Tomlin. He was asked to co-write this song with him and Chris Tomlin sent him a few basic chords and structure of a song with a few words, a few lyrics. And when Ed got this song and, and got this basic structure, he wasn't pleased. He wasn't pleased. He, he had a look at those words and he had a look at the basic structure that had been put forward. And, and, and it was everything in a song that he couldn't stand. He had a look at those words and he just felt it was a little bit cliche and repetitive. He had a look at the chord progressions and thought that's a little bit old-fashioned, a little bit old hat. And he found himself becoming totally judgmental and totally critical. And he was about to send this back to Chris Tom and say, I can't do anything with this. He had a real bad attitude. And as he was about to send this back to Chris Tomlin, he felt the Holy Spirit say, now he said he's never heard the audible voice of God. But he said, if ever the Holy Spirit has spoken so strongly to him, it was at this moment. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to his heart. He said, how dare you curse what I have kissed? So he got on his knees, as you would when you hear a word like that. 
He got on his knees. He started repenting before God. I'm sorry, God, for my wrong attitude, my, my bad attitude, being so, so, so judgmental in this. He, he repented and then he, he got up and he, he went to the song and tears running down his face. He, he finished the words of that song. Then he gave it back to Chris Tomlin who recorded it. The song goes, um, How great is our God. Sing with me, how great. Number one song all around the world. You know, let's be careful that in judgment, we don't curse what God has kissed. We don't curse what God has kissed. I'm running out of time. The last building block of wisdom is this, living the persistent life. Jesus goes on in Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Keep on asking, he says, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. This isn't just an approach to prayer. It's an approach to the way we live our life of wisdom. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. In, at the darkest point, it's the breakthrough point. It's, it's the darkest comes just before the dawn. Joy comes in the morning. Too many people just give up just before the breakthrough. Jesus tells a story about a persistent widow who keeps pestering a judge until finally the judge just grants her request. There's something about us persisting that God loves. Sometimes I find persisting annoying. One of my kids, in particular, can be quite... Okay, it's Joe. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Just threw you under the bus. Um, Joe can be really persistent. And to tell you the truth... When he was a little kid, I used to find it annoying. Until I realised one day that 10 times out of 10, he always gets what he wants. <laughs> I started to realise that there is a persistence that is a godly thing to keep going no matter what. There is a persistence that equates with faith in action. Something about persisting that God loves. I'm so glad Jesus persisted when they mocked him. They slapped him at the high priest's court. I'm so glad Jesus persisted when he was beaten and whipped. A crown of thorns was pressed into his head by Roman guards. I'm so glad that Jesus persisted up the Via Dolorosa road to Calvary, carrying the heavy beam of his cross. I'm so glad Jesus persisted as nails were driven into his hands and into his feet. I'm so glad he persisted on a cross to die for your sin and my sin. Because truth be told, he could have called the host of heaven and in one instant, destroyed this world and set himself free. I'm so glad he persisted in 
conquering death and hell and the grave. And that He rose again so we could be forgiven of sin and have eternity with God. So next time you feel like you're done, feel like you've had enough. Some of you may have even said that, I'm done. I'm just out. I'm, I'm done. Just remember that where to be like Jesus and keep going, keep going, keep going. Let's close our eyes this morning. Building blocks of wisdom. Be prayerful. See with an eternal perspective and with eyes of faith. Be gracious, not judgmental. Keep persisting. As our eyes are closed this morning, I believe there's people here that it's almost like you've said those words, I'm done, I've just had it. I don't know where to go from here. The Spirit of God would say to you today, don't quit. Keep pressing in keep going it might seem like it's two steps forward one step back but keep persisting there may be those this morning that are being tested in a certain area to extend grace and forgiveness and that's the last thing you feel like doing you feel you've been treated unfairly and that may be so but we are still to extend grace and forgiveness. And there may be some people here this morning that you're ready to give your life to Jesus. You've known church, you've known religion, but you haven't known a relationship with Jesus Christ. And He wants to give you that opportunity this morning to come to Him, accept His gift of forgiveness for your sin and to follow him and follow his ways to be very real in your world if any of those things I've said there are where you're at can I ask you to do one thing can you just stand where you are not going to embarrass you we're just going to pray as a congregation together anyone this morning been tested in an area of forgiveness felt like giving up and You just need to persist. Or you would like to give your life to Jesus and have a real relationship with Him. Please stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for those who are standing today. And I pray that you will intervene in their situation. That you will do what only you can do. Lord, that if the issue is to keep persisting, that there will be a a new fire of your Holy Spirit within, that there'll be a new determination within to keep going strong, that you'll stir up, you'll reignite the passion to keep going, to keep moving forward no matter what comes against. For those, Lord, who are being tested in this area of grace and forgiveness, I pray that wisdom will come with that. 
so that in the situation they can have your wisdom and extend the grace and forgiveness that you would love them to. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, I pray they'll come to that place where they just bow their knee before you and say, hey God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. I accept that you're the son of God, Jesus. You went to that cross for me. And I want to turn from the way I'm living because I want to follow your ways and live a life pleasing to you, I ask in your wonderful name. Amen. Let that be so. We ask in your precious name. Amen. We will continue on with this theme, finish it off next week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Capital Edge podcast. If this ministry has impacted your life or you've made a decision for Christ today, we would love to hear about it. Please get in contact with us on our social media accounts. God bless you, church. We'll see you next week.